Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. took some time off last week to spend time with the family, relax, have some drinks, have way too much food, have some more drinks. Uh, Unfortunately, Chris may have had too much to drink and too much to eat because late last night he was put on the IL right before we were supposed to record. Uh, Voice is gone. He's a wreck. Not sure when he's going to come back. We were hopefully this this was only a little bit of a 24-hour thing, and he would be able to record today. But we're going to have to go on without him. Uh, expected to uh, return next week. Uh, if not, we can at some point maybe get a guest on here, maybe get a listener on here, maybe do something a little bit different because guess what, guys? We are in the middle of a lockout Nothing really going on reported that the two sides met uh, in between uh, the lockout starting at the beginning of December, the 1st of January, not talking any real economic issues, not really getting a whole lot done. I spoke about how they were supposed to you know, start meeting at some point after the first of the year comes out. In tweets from a lot of people, I saw it from Bob Nightingale and others saying that no talks are scheduled at this point. I know that there was a soft deadline uh, put in place for February 1st uh, for things to get in place in order to start spring training on time. Another soft deadline was discussed around maybe March 1st, in order to not miss any time. Gary wrote in his five thoughts uh, just uh, yesterday about how if something doesn't get started within the next two weeks here or so, then we can really start to maybe worry about missing some actual time within the regular season. I hope that's not the case. We need baseball. I know that there is minor league baseball that will still be played. Uh, Some stuff has been sorted out concerning that uh, due to, you know, Evan Drellick, I believe it was in The Athletic, reporting on players that are on the 40-man. It wasn't a big certainty. Uh, Friend of the show, Graves, had 
kind of reached out to him at one point in time and tried to see if what that actually meant for players, you know, who were in the minors during this past season would likely be in the minors to start 2022, such as Lyover Piguero, possibly O'Neill Cruz, Rowanzi Contreras, another number of names, Jack Sawinski, Cannon Smith, and Jigba. Uh, if there's was a possibility that they would be able to play, it looks like that that would not be the case. Uh, anybody on the 40-man uh, would not be able to play even if they were set to start the year in, say, double-A Altoona, as is projected for Lyover Piguero. But we do have some stuff to discuss here, even though we don't know much that's going on with the MLB lockout. The last show we recorded was on the 21st, that Monday. And Chris and I, I'll pull back the curtain here a little bit. We sit down, we crack a beer, pour a little bit of bourbon, maybe a little bit of scotch, sit down at the nine-foot home at Oak Bar at around 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And that's usually almost a guarantee that any news that's going to come out for the day uh, or sometimes the week will be kind of out of the way at that point. Unfortunately, Chris and I did not know that Ben Charrington must have been listening in to our, our feed or something that night because we did an entire episode on development within the pirate system, focusing a lot on Joel Hanrahan. The news had just come out the previous week uh, that Joel Hanrahan would be moving on and how development would work within the system. And we talked about the number of spots that, number one, needed to be filled within the minor league system. And also, if you were going to put this much focus on development, if there were any other pieces that could be added to that. Well, at around 12.30 that night into early the next morning prior to the show being released, so if you listen to it a little bit after that, you would kind of be wondering, what were these guys talking about? Did they not know that this stuff didn't happen? Fortunately, you know, or unfortunately, I should say most of us are asleep, especially myself. I record put the kids to bed, put myself to bed, and I'm usually asleep by 10 o'clock. The only time I stay up any later than that is what I did a few days ago when I stay up to see the ball drop and, you know, wish everybody Happy New Year. But the Pirates go out and, and they start adding. They start answering some of those questions that Chris and I had about the team. You know, we said, you know, who's going to be the next pitching coach who's going to be you know the next manager that question has yet to be answered but they did give us you know actually a lot of good stuff and I know it's development I know it's the minor leagues and unfortunately really this is the only thing we can talk about right now just because there's nothing else that's going on there's nothing else that really can go on other than minor league signings. And that's not really too exciting to discuss. Not something that you really, you know, want to do. 
uh, you don't want to come on here and have me list off, you know, the top minor league free agents that could be, you know, put in place. But what happened was, you know, as we, if you go back and listen to the last episode, you can always do that. Go on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, go on, you know, Spotify, always, you know, check uh, at uh, bucksinthebasement.com. We find out that Dan Meyer is named as the new pitching coach for AAA, replacing Joel Hanrahan, who, you know, announced he was leaving just about a week before that. They also brought a new infield coordinator into the minor leagues in Chris Truby. And then they went out and got Dewey Robinson, who had been the director of pitching development coordination for the last 12 years for the Rays and made him a special advisor of pitching development. Now that's filling, you know, at least that one hole uh, left by Joel Hanrahan. And then it's adding stuff to the, the pitching development department, which we're talking about, uh, Oscar Marine being the head of that, you know, it's, we haven't seen him make improvements in any of the major league staff. I mean, you could give him, you know, possibly some of the stuff that's gone on with Chris Stratton. You could, you know, maybe show some of the growth that JT Brubaker showed during the beginning of the year. But a lot of the stuff has been put on how Oscar Marine is, taking the pitching development and he is instituting that throughout the system so you have you know john baker who is not the you know the the director of minor league baseball as as has been like the previous titles for people you know he is the the director of coaching and and player development they also bring in josh hopper uh, to be the pitching coordinator. We got to see and hear a lot from him during the recent, you know, get better at pitching camp or whatever they, they happen to call it. Um, and, and it seems like, you know, they are really focusing on that development, which, I mean, I'm going to get the, to this in the second half of the program and that that's going to be a, a pretty big uh, focus within the system and, you know, making s- some smart hires, you know, in those departments, you know, with, with Dewey Robinson, a, a guy who has a great track record for a team that a lot of people are saying the pirates should emulate a- as far as development goes. And we know that the Rays have been able to develop pitching. They've been able to use that development to go out and get other players with those pieces. They've been able to bring in players and focus a lot on, you know, making those types of improvements. But then the Pirates even, you know, they kind of even go further and they made what I thought was another kind of like strange move, a little bit of a curious move. But there is some sense to possibly be made of it. They went out and hired Eric Munson to be Indianapolis's next hitting coach. And I know what people are going to say is, you know, John Nunnally was the AAA hitting coach. What was wrong with him? He was another one of those gurus. 
where Joe Hanrahan was the guru that they would bring in to, you know, work with Mitch Keller. John Nunnally was the hitting guru that they sent uh, Oliva and they sent Tucker down, you know, for that extra month prior to last season to work on stuff. He's the one that was at the alternate site last year before Key Brian Hayes came up and lit the world on fire and talked about how Nunnally had helped Hayes with that type of development. So it was kind of a little bit more of an unexpected move. But when you look at it as the fact of the players that should be coming up to Altoona this year, you look at the Nick Gonzalez's, the Lyover Pagueros, if Matthew Frazier's still there, possibly a, a Lolo Sanchez, different players that could be coming up to Altoona that they would see as needing a little bit more of that development and a little bit of that extra push to get them to AAA. As we know, Ben Sherrington has said many times that he does not see much of a difference between AA and AAA. He sees AAA as more of a holding ground before you're coming to the majors, but it's not really that big of a step from AAA to the to you know PNC Park. I kind of differ on that just a little bit. I would say that there's maybe not much difference between double A and triple A, but as the Pirates have shown us in the past, players have been able to make that leap or that step from double A to triple A. We really have not seen them be consistently successful in moving players from Indianapolis to the majors and have them hit the ground running or set them up for some sort of success with, you know, the normal bumps in the road. But I could see a, a, it not being, you know, too big of a deal to have not only still in the system, you know, moving up and down throughout the system, maybe as needed to kind of prepare players or to make that jump, you know, less of an issue for some players. We do see a lot of players. Uh, Brian Reynolds is one of the only exceptions that that I've been able to see over the past few years where if, if they come up to a different level that they don't have that adjustment period where they'll take a little bit of a step back before hopefully moving forward and getting back up to the level that they had performed at, at, you know, the, the level that they're coming from. Brian, like I said, Brian Reynolds is one of those guys that, that didn't do that. But every other player that I can think of, even like an O'Neill Cruz, when he came up in 2019 and came up to Altoona, it's not like he performed terribly in those first few months in Altoona, but it's not like he performed great either. So if you could, you know, kind of cut down on that time, expedite that development, as Tarek Shelton has pointed out, and that may be a piece of that is just to make sure that guys, when they come up to the next level, they don't really, you know, kind of lose a step or get stuck for a little bit and can move along to the next level or just excel at that level for the entire year and be able to start the next year a level up as opposed to saying, you know what, they had half of a good season 
to finish out the year in Altoona. Maybe they should start in Altoona again just to get the gears, you know, moving again. Maybe they can start the year in Indianapolis and kind of expedite that process. I also did want to mention that, you know, the Pirates went out and they hired the, um, the first female coach in the franchise history in Caitlin Callahan. She's going to be down in Pirate City working on development. So once again, a lot of the focus since we last recorded on the 21st, as soon as we were done recording, the Pirates kind of put that into high gear, made that a priority to take care of some of the developmental process. Now, I know that they still have to hire that AAA coach. Ben Sherrington has said that that move will likely come uh, internally. They've been looking at that. So I might look for somebody like a Kieran Mattinson who uh, had been down in Greensboro last year, uh, had been out in the Arizona Fall League, and it seems like that you know, as a leader of, of young men, the Pirates value that. So it's not, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities that he could skip a level. Not that that's as important for coaches, but could come up from Greensboro and, and come up to Indianapolis and, you know, kind of prepare the players that will be taking the step from Indianapolis to Pittsburgh to make that leap, especially when he's a guy that had a, a fairly young crew that went through a lot of injuries, had to have fill-ins in different places, uh, operating with what was at times seemed to be an eight to nine man rotation and, and kind of kept the wheels turning to the point where they were playing in the championship game and took it to a game five. They did lose, but it's he's well-respected within the organization. He's well-respected in minor league baseball. So it's possible that that could be a move that could be upcoming. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. In the previous segment, I, I mentioned development as something being important. And this is where we're going to kind of get to this. With New Year's, a lot of people are talking about New Year's resolutions. And, and I'm not a big fan of of new year's resolutions. I'm just going to say that because if we say this is the new year's resolution for the pirates, well, if it's like any new year's resolution that's set out by the average American, I, I read somewhere that 60 to 80% of new year's resolutions fall apart or are not followed through on a month into the new year. And as you go along, the number that actually 
come to fruition and are held through the entire year is it doesn't it doesn't really happen. So for me, when I've been thinking about this process, I've been thinking of New Year's ultimatums. And it's something that I think the team kind of has to do if they really want to move forward and if they want to see 2022 as a successful year. And I'm not talking about a successful year as as far as wins and losses. I wish I was. I wish we weren't talking about another year of possible evaluation and trying to figure out exactly what's going on with the starting rotation, what's going on with the middle infield, with the outfield that we've talked about in previous episodes, but to actually make those step forward. So for me, for the Pirates, I have three ultimatums that I would like to lay out. And I also have one ultimatum that goes out to the media, that goes out to the fans, and that goes out to pretty much anybody that is on social media. So, but I would like to get the the what is for the Pirates first. And these first two kind of have to see the CBA work itself out first before they would actually be an ultimatum because if there isn't a season at all, which I'm still hoping that's not a possibility, even if we do miss games, that could possibly be another shortened season, but there would have to be games played for these first two to even matter whatsoever. And the first one is the ultimatum of extending Brian Reynolds. And if you don't extend Brian Reynolds by the end of this calendar year, I think you might have to consider trading him. And it's not that I want to trade Brian Reynolds. If you've listened to me and Chris talk at any point in time, our major focus and the goal that we set out at the beginning of this offseason, number one goal for this to be a successful offseason, and if this was the only thing that happened, it would still be a successful offseason, and that was to extend Brian Reynolds. But where my thinking comes in here is Brian Reynolds has four years of team control. So if a season's played this year, that's 2022, 2023, 2024, and 2025. But we all know that, and this isn't just for the Pirates. This is for any team in Major League Baseball, that if somebody's getting towards the end of their arbitration and there's not a possibility of re-signing them or they don't have the contract done already, then they're more than likely going to be moved prior to that final year because you want to still have some value in the trading. You don't want to trade a guy, you know, with just a portion of the season left, unless it's maybe a reliever like a Chris Stratton where you you know might not want to trade him this off season once things hopefully get going again, but to see him build up, you know, to be a little bit more of a legitimate trade piece at the, you know, facing the trade deadline towards the end of the year. So that's a guy that, you know, it's entering the final year of arbitration. But for a player like Brian Reynolds, it, you want to get and you almost have to get that huge return if you are going to trade him. Chris and I talked about this previously of, you know, 
other rebuilds were put in motion by trading legitimate pieces. Now we had some fairly, you know, solid pieces, but we didn't have that legitimate trade piece that some teams have had. And and with Brian Reynolds, if you're not going to extend him and if you're looking at what I see as the current timeline, like as the team's currently constructed right now, they're not competing in 2022. So there's one year of arbitration. So then you have Brian Reynolds for three more years after that. Well, if things, you know, kind of start to get going in 2023, then you have two more years of Brian Reynolds. And then you almost have to hope that 2024 is the time that they really put their foot down and start to go for something. Because if not, and if they have not extended Brian Reynolds by that point, which as the further it goes, I could kind of see a player thinking, you know what, I'm getting closer to free agency. And I, I might as well just kind of wait this out to, to kind of see where things are going. Then you're moving on from them. So if you're not planning on legitimately competing in 2024, then it's almost like at that point that, that you need to be moving on. So that's where we, my ultimating would be number one, that if, you know, and there's going to be other stuff and other factors that go into this, which is going to be point number three that, that could, you know, make that decision easier or harder but for me, you're wasting so many years uh, of a good player. You've, you've already wasted a, a couple with this man, at least this last year, where, you know, all-star caliber, you know, gold, gold glove candidate. You're, you don't want to waste any more of that time. And if you can't see the team competing in, and I mean legitimately competing in 2024, then I, I hate to say it, if you can't get him locked up beyond that 2025 into at least the first two years of free agency, which would take 2026 and 2027, which I could still see him being traded in 2025 or 2026. But but at least I think it gives you a little bit more of, you know, just some wiggle room to, to kind of work with and, and not see it and not make some ridiculous move to either stop or stall, which I know some people are going to say that trading him now – it would would completely stall that out. But honestly, I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well rip off the Band-Aid instead of just sitting there playing with it for a couple years. The number two ultimatum that I'm going to give, and it may sound like a silly one because it's, it's the backup catcher. And this really, I know a lot of people are still going to focus on, you know, my reaction to when when Jacob Stallings was traded and how I was not happy about it. And even with the addition of Roberto Perez, I just I still saw the move as not necessary. And a lot of that had to do with the years of control. It didn't have to do with, you know, Roberto Perez was this this terrible player, because even if Jacob Stallings was still here, I would be hoping that the Pirates would go out and get a legitimate backup catcher. We saw Michael Perez, who's still with the organization, who is really, along with, I think it's Jacob Ritchie, is, are the only backup catchers right now. And let's just say you know, Roberto Perez. The concern for me, the man played 44 games last year. He had a fractured finger. In his in his on his right hand, 
And then he had shoulder inflammation on his right shoulder and missed nearly the entire season and only played in 44 games. What if the same thing would happen with Roberto Perez, the guy you're bringing in to at least for the year to, to bring these young pitchers and, and to be, you know, that guy who helps them transition and it is like the role model for them as to, you know, work ethic and different types of stuff. What if he's not there? The same would have gone for Jacob Stallings and all the attributes that I would have put onto him and his ability to to work with new pitchers, whether it was, you know, being effective or not. I, I It's hard to see with the number of changes and the number of pitchers who kind of fell off towards the end of the year and the pitchers who were injured towards the end of the year to really see much of that change. But even at that, if one injury to, to, to Jacob Stallings and you have – you have uh, you have Richie and you have Perez, Michael Perez as as the only options, and, and I just don't see that as a good thing. So for me, an ultimatum is once this season gets going again, hopefully again, then I think you need to go out and get a legitimate catcher along with. If you want to put, you know, a little bit of, you know, other stipulations within this ultimatum, I would still like them to go out and get another starting pitcher, which Ben Sherrington said he would go out and get. And I'd also like to see maybe a, a different option if the, if the DH comes in or just as kind of like a backup is is another option at first base if Yoshi Tetsugo doesn't do well. So it, to me, I know these are these are probably moves that teams make if they're looking towards competing, but I also see it as like a contingency plan if the moves that they have made don't work out. Number three for me is is where that development comes in, and we talked about how you know this is the third year, the start of the third year of you know Ben Sherrington and his regime taking over, you know, Pirates baseball operations. Now the minor league system being, you know, shut down in 2020 was something that definitely stunted, you know, the implement implementation of, you know, everything that Ben Sherrington wanted to put in place. Well, guess what? Ben Sherrington's people are in place now. Ben Sherrington has, you know, shown that focus on development. He's shown that he wants you know, that to be a huge focus with these developmental camps and everything. So, so the next ultimatum would be that you have to see some of this development actually take place at the major league level. So that part would also be contingent on there being a season, but also at the minor league level. At the major league level, that would be, you know, Oscar Marine. Oscar Marine needs to have at least one pitcher take that step forward this year in order to solidify his job for me. If not, I think you need to move on. Number two, you know, within that, you know, or maybe the B instead of the A, not the one and the two, but the A and the B would be to, you know, see a player take that step forward within the minors. And I'm not talking about a player like Max Kranich who took that step forward when we know that it was because of, of the work he did while he was off developing his pitches with his family. I'm not talking about a Rowenzi Contreras who Ben Sherrington smartly acquired, but when Rowenzi Contreras 
last pitched within the Yankees organization, he was, you know, a guy who threw you know, low 90s and, and didn't have all his pitches worked out. Well, he showed up to the Pirates ready-made to go. So that step forward that he took, I mean, the first time he took the mound in Altoona, it's, it's like everybody was like, this isn't the guy we heard about and this isn't the guy we saw pitch before. So that's another, you know, an adjustment that was made before he arrived to the Pirates. If you even talk about, you know, Matthew Frazier taking a step forward, that was something that happened. A lot of the stuff was was put towards, you know, Kevin Young and just a little bit of an adjustment that he made during spring training last year, but also the work that he put in while he was off. And I know that you could say, well, you know, the Pirates gave him this plan and this is what he was supposed to work on, but it's not, I don't see it as something that this development team actually did. I don't see a lot of players that, you know, took those steps within the season. It was that they showed up ready-made by themselves to get going. So it's needing to take that step forward. And, and that's what I think I need to see the Pirates do. Now, point number four, as far as the Pirates fans are concerned, and it's an ultimatum that I'm putting down to myself, I'm putting down to, you know, I said the writers, I'm putting down to people, anybody on social media is, can we stop using the term under the radar prospect? I just really want to see that kind of go away and at least go away in the aspect of using it for a guy who may not have been well known up until last year, but has jumped onto the scene. I've seen places where Jared Triolo is still listed as an under the radar prospect. The guy was the defensive player of the year in the minors last year. I've seen Matthew Frazier listed, you know, the best player in the Pirates minor league system last year listed as still listed as an under the radar prospect. There's Andy Rodriguez, Abraham Gutierrez, like, if a guy was added to this team last year during these trades and has been reported on a million times since then, if the guy was added to the 40 man, so like a Jack Sawinski, I've seen Kanan Smith and Jigba listed as an under the radar prospect. Guess what, guys? They are not under the radar prospects anymore. We know who they are. Believe me, I could throw out about, you know, half a dozen names who are actually under the radar prospects. And they may be under the radar prospects for a reason because they have not performed very well. They haven't shown up on a top 30 list. They haven't, you know, come over in a trade and, and they just really haven't performed very well. And there's also probably another handful of guys that I could list that actually had fairly decent seasons last year that anybody other than the hardcore minor league fan has probably never heard before. So we need to either stop using the term under the radar prospect or we need to actually use it properly. And that's something that's an ultimatum. That's the gauntlet I'm putting down to everybody out there uh, who's writing about the pirates, who's, you know, just even having general conversations about the pirates it, it, use under the radar prospect properly or don't use it at all. But I mean, I think I've talked enough for today. I think you've heard enough of my voice for today. If you want to go back, we definitely have, you know, a lot of, 
in the library uh, at bucksinthebasement.com. Like I said, Chris on the shelf unexpectedly. Hopefully it doesn't last too long. He can be back with us on Monday uh, where we don't have to delay you know, putting out the, the podcast again next week, if it comes down to it and, and Chris is still on the shelf, like I said, I'll, I'll try to reach out and, and get a guest and try to get talking about, you know, the progress within Ben Charrington's rebuild and, and maybe get some experts on here to talk about what a, the CBA lockout actually looks like and things that can actually be going on. Uh, but until next time, guys, uh, take it easy and let's go. I see the changes in this town They change, they say